everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Lighter Side of Serial Killers here on the Boomtastic Media Network. I am your host, Keith Revere. I'm an author and collector of true crime art and memorabilia. I'm an advocate uh, for prison rehabilitation, aftercare, outreach, uh, exposing a lot of the horrors in prison facilities around the country and around the world, the lock up, lock you up and throw away the key mentality. Uh, but today, we're going to be talking again uh, to somebody I've known for many years, Dana Gray. Uh, you've, I'm sure you recognize her name and uh, seen documentaries about her, movies about her, uh, some of the things she's done in her past. Uh, but she's been a very strong advocate for women's rights. Um, I talk to her almost on a daily basis uh, through email and, and other and phone calls and such. Um, we're going to be talking today about a bill that was passed in the Senate, California, uh, Senate Bill 132, the Transgender Respect, Agency, and Dignity Act. Um, that gives someone who is born a man who identifies as a woman. Now I might get some of these terms wrong, they, he, she, and all that. Please forgive me. It does certainly no disrespect. I'm just not that familiar with all of it. Uh, but gives them the right to be transferred or to be housed at a woman's prison facility. And not that that's necessarily a bad thing. But we are going to be talking about some bad things, uh, how they implement uh, some of these rules and what's allowed, what's not allowed, uh, rights of one person over another person. Um, so Dana Gray has been kind enough to give us some time uh, to really break it down for us, firsthand experience. Uh, so that being said, here we go. So we are here with Dana Gray. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, Senate Bill 132 or SB 132, uh, this Transgender Respect Agency and Dignity Act. Um, the governor Newsom signed in 2020. It came effective on 2021. Uh, basically allows transgenders, non-binary, intersex people, um, to request to be housed at uh, women's facilities. Um, they don't have to have any operations or surgeries. In fact, most of them still have penises that are there, and um, hundreds of people have been transferred already. Um, now, in your facility, Dana, um, I know you know at least one person there. How many people... Or transgenders do you know of or at your facility? Well, I really don't know. Uh, there's not a ton. There's less than 20. And um, I don't know them all. Mm -hmm. But um, there was just a few that got here in 2021. And um, the, the person I know was in that first um, transport of transgender females that um, did not have the sexual uh, reassignment surgery. And um, before they got here, we knew they were going to get here. And just the idea that um, there would be, well, we, we still kind of consider them men. It doesn't matter what they identify as. Biologically, they're men. And it just the idea that they could come here was really disconcerting because many of us uh, have a history of domestic abuse, uh, molestations, rape, um, yeah. just various traumatic, childhood traumatic events, adult um, traumatic events. So before they got here, I, I felt um, invaded because I do have a history of rape and molestation myself. Mm. And um, then they got here, and we were forced to live with them. And if a woman complained, they had to move out of their room. 
And um, when women don't get along and don't agree and don't want to live together, they don't move us normally um, unless we're the problem. So it, that alone we felt invaded and overrun. And as it is, transgender females, transgenders in general, get a better medical care. Um, you can have a sexual reassignment surgery or your breast cut off. And if you don't like the look of your sexual reassignment uh, parts, you can go have cosmetic surgery um, so that they look good to you. And in the Title 15 in California, cosmetic surgery is not um, allowed. It's not um, something they find medically necessary. And so there's been women here throughout the years with, for example, overly large breasts that cause them back pain. I mean, really serious um, problems. And they have refused to reduce those women's breasts. So we still can't get a breast reduction, but you can have a penis put on. And wow. so where's the equality in that? Seriously, yeah. you can, you can, they found somebody to do that. And um, myself, I had to go to federal court twice, once to get a back surgery to fix a serious scoliosis that caused me difficulty breathing. Uh, my back was at 25 degrees tilted to the right that impacted my lungs. So I had to go to federal court for, um, I think I was over six years. And I got my first surgery. Then a year later, uh, because they had waited so long, it was stressful on that hardware because they couldn't completely straighten my spine. So a year after that, one of the screws broke, um, and, the, and another one was loose at the very bottom of my lumbar spine. And at that same level, the fusion didn't take. So there's a lot of pressure on a four-level fusion, and uh, it caused me agony. So I went to two surgeons that first year, and they said, we need to revise it. Well, the prison refused me. Here it is, 2023, and I finally got the surgery approved. Yeah. But had I been a transgender, I would have gotten it approved immediately, and yeah. I could get hormone shots and mm -hmm. better clothing, um, a voice. So we're um, women in general feel very disrespected, and that again we're marginalized. Oh, women are marginalized yeah. anyway, mm -hmm. and and here we are marginalized again. And so anyway, back to the transgenders that came. Um, there's been various episodes of um, really to me it's um, it's not just how it affects us, but some of it has been criminal. There has been rape. Um, there has been one gal that got pregnant on another yard and miscarried. Um, it was a um, kind of domestic violence abusive relationship, and the transgender involved made her bury the fetus outside so that they uh, didn't have to report it. Wow. And then they... Yes, and then they they dug it up and brought it in their room and exposed their roommates to this dead human in their room. Mm. And so I don't know what, what ended up happening with the fetus. Um, they hid it. I don't think it was ever found. I'm not sure. But the transgender female, who actually doesn't even claim to be trans, just claimed to be trans enough to get here. 
he's in jail or out now in this other unit, and she was shipped to the only other facility in California. There's only two prisons for women in California. Mm-hmm. And she he had gotten her pregnant again, oh, and I no. will refer to him as he. Oh, wow. And Yes, and so she went down south, and the disposition of that, I don't know. Oh, and horrible. then there's been um, a, a various, another one that's been having ongoing relationships. And personally, I really don't care, but it's the fact that it happens. And um, how does that affect the rest of us? We're a co-ed prison. There's yeah. no more women's prisons in California. And so that's going on, but we know, but custody might know. I don't know, I mean, but that, that is definitely happening. I mean, everything then you there s- is another one. What? No, say everything you said, I had mentioned what? in our email uh, yesterday or last night, um, you're saying that basically what this report said, where you know, the CDC or the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation um, hired the Moss Group. It's like a D.C.-based consulting firm. About recommendations for this, you know, for this bill and how they how it can be implemented. Um, now it seemed like it was a little. They bo- didn't interview us. Well, that's the thing. They the, didn't. This is the crazy part about the report. One, they didn't interview little to no women, incarcerated women at the facility. I, I, there's no report specifically talking about um, what women they talked to. So let's assume there's basically none. Um, but some of the report said is what you just said is um, the 14th Amendment right to equal protection under the law. Um, they showed it's extreme bias, right. extreme bias. Um, and some of the things they said, uh, I'll read some of the report. Um, and you and this part of the, the first part is what you exactly said, that if a woman raises personal safety concerns of having a transgender woman in the room and reported by staff, the one who reported it is the one that has to leave. You know, they're the ones removed from the room. Right. Um, when you get into even a simple thing as clothing, um, they get the men's clothing. Apparently, the men's clothing might fit a little better or be more comfortable. Um, they just say, hey, can I have men's clothing? And they get it like in an instant. Now, the women or people who are born right. a woman ask when they're clothing, uh, something comfortable. It's always denied. And they get in a lot of trouble if they lie and say, hey, I'm a transgender. I identify as a man. They're getting written up. They're getting in trouble. Um there said, where was this other part of the report? Uh, yeah, it never considers that any of the men's transferred into CCWF, your facility, um, talking about taking advantage of the new system to gain preferential housing, access to sexual partners, lower security. Um, it, everything in the report that I've read so far is exactly what you have already said. Um, it has resulted, and here's from intimidation, sexual harassment, physical assaults, sexual assaults, um, committed against, you know, from these men or transgenders uh, against, you know, the, the incarcerated women who are there. Um, it also prevents if your religious um, affiliation requires uh, sexual, sep- I mean, uh, men and women separation. Well, now they're not, you know, in their view, it's still a man that they're in whatever religious, you know, organization that they're in. So, so far, everything in this bill, what they said is what's happening in your facility, all the negatives. Yes. Now, I'll get to the rare positive. Um, there was another trans who's now in jail. She got stabbed up. Um, she was having sex everywhere, in the scullery, in the chow hall, wow. anywhere she could do it. And, of course, there's uh, horny women that want it. 
Sure. You know, it's just the way it is. So when it's a prison. So it's the foxes in the hen house. And so, um, where was I? Oh, I was telling you about the different ones I know. Now, there's another one who uh, the co-defendant is a female. She transferred down to the other female prison because she didn't want her co-defendant, who was um, questionable trans and then identified as trans, on death row. Got off death row because she identified, and now she's here. Wow. She lives in the unit next to mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so that's one. And then the individual that I um, became friends with and ultimately had to disconnect from for abuse was um, had a history of prison history and a history on the street of being gay, not trans, identified as gay um, till I think they he, he figured out, oh, here's a way to manipulate. I can get in the trans car, and he fought all the way to Supreme Court. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. And I will call him a he because he's gay. He's hands down. Um, I befriended this person because uh, we did legal work together, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to be the bigger person and not be prejudiced and discriminate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to choose this person to get to know and educate myself about um, transgender women who haven't had surgery. I never felt any kind of threat sexually or anything else. And so I got this person into the honor dorm and they wouldn't do any of the groups for self-help. Um, I had to work very hard to get uh, this person to socialize with women. They didn't really act feminine or a bra and some lipstick once in a while, but that was the extent of it. And really concentrated on playing the victim, how women, uh, the cisgenders were haters and this and that. And I said, I became friends with this person and um, I didn't feel threatened or anything. So we became friends. We did legal work. We did this and that. And I got him in the unit and refused to socialize. So I thought, well, maybe this is part of the integration process and trying to uh, really become a trans mentality and how awkward it is for this person that spent 41 years in in a men's prison to even have a concept of the different um, prison culture where it's much freer. Nobody's stabbing each other up. It's loose. Um, meaning it's, there's not cops everywhere pointing guns at you. And um, I really gave this person a lot of leeway. Then um, there became a bed open in my unit, in my room, and wanted, he wanted to move in. And I didn't feel any time away. I'm 65. I am you know, and grew up in the 70s. I really just didn't, didn't bother me. And so my roommates were on board. And we went to the police and told them, okay, well, they didn't want to put this person in my room. And I couldn't understand why. I thought it was just discrimination. So I gave up. And on the very day I was going to move my friend in, unbeknownst to me, this individual manipulated the hunger strike system, registered as a bit, uh, they were on a hunger strike, and would not eat until they moved uh, him in my room. Oh, well, I didn't know that part so of that it. very day... I didn't know that. 
Yeah. So the, so the very day my friend India was supposed to move in, mm-hmm. um, we'll call this person Sue, right? And that's not the real name. But, sure. uh, Sue, moved, Sue moved in my room. And I was like, wow. I did not know about the hunger strike till uh, this last month. I barely, I thought, I wonder if this person spilled something. So anyway, I just, you know, let it roll off my shoulders and I had to deal with it. Now I'm in a, a, a disability room where uh, one person is, has been in and out of, um, let's say, the mentally challenged wards. She's sweet, she's fine, but she's a sensitive person. And then I have another lady with a heart problem. And then there was me. And um, then this individual is a deaf. So I learned to sign, did all kinds of stuff to accommodate. I myself, of course, have mobility issues. So after about a month, the verbal abuse started and the mental mind game. So I said, why don't you get a bed move? I was irritated at this point and said, uh, no, I'm not moving. And so I kept having to um, bridge and ride that fence to make sure my room was safe, I was safe, and to reduce conflict. Sure. So the mental mind games got more and more and more. Um, the verbal abuse telling me that, um, putting me down because I'm life without parole, like, I should just uh, lay down and die, really, and then I'll never get out and just squash my hope. I mean, the the things that were said to me were just really horrendous. And I had done a lot to advocate, try to bridge, try to socialize this person, integrate them, went up against the police on discrimination, real discrimination issues. The whole nine, I made myself look like uh, the enemy. Yeah. They hated me. Uh, women hated me. The police hated me. It was just, you know, and I yeah. I ate that shit with a smile because I thought I was doing the right thing. We were stuck, so I wanted to try and make it safe for everybody. Well, mm-hmm. after four months, um, the person ended up waking me up out of the dead sleep after 10 at night by putting uh, his hand in the middle of my back and shaking me really hard, so hard, I thought it was a raid. I didn't know what was going on. Um, I came, I, I was just shocked. And then started screaming at me over a blanket. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And um, so I got up and uh, this person had wanted to sell their cotton blanket to somebody. And I helped them do that. And uh, I said, you, sold, you wanted that blanket sold. So I got it sold. And um, where's my money? Well, the girl hasn't shopped yet. It's like $10, right? And um, I go, believe me, I'll get that blanket back for you in the morning. So the first thing when the doors popped, I went out and got that blanket. And my other roommate had given me a replacement blanket. So the, the other lady wasn't out of blanket, and she needed one. So um, I took it down, gave the lady the other blanket, and got the blanket that belonged to the trans and brought it back and said, here's your blanket and put it in their area and split and went and did my laundry and this and that. 
and I went to my officer, and I told him what had happened in the night. And I said, I'm not hurt, but I'm very shaken up, and I, I really need this person out of my room. So the, um, the officer sent me to the clinic to get a, they call it a 7219. It's a check for, it's a physical check for when you get in a fight to document that I didn't have any bruises or marks or anything. And so I went over there and told them what happened, and I was checked out, came back. They called the sergeant. I was interviewed. The trans was interviewed. And this um, little girl that has mental issues was interviewed who witnessed all this. And she was horrified and frightened. So um, he got moved off out of my room, and he chose to be moved off the yard, which was awesome because good. now we're, we all feel good. And yeah. since then, I've gotten weird mail, uh, some threatening mail. Um, some stalking mail, and then a letter that where he openly admitted I had a hunger strike to get in your room so I could bump India out of the bed. I was floored. Wow. Absolutely floored. And then an, another page requesting that um, I move her out and move him back in. Well, that's not going to happen. And then um, my friend India got a horrible note. I handed to her personally from him, stating she was a dog, she was a whitewashed Indian, she's American Indian, and all kinds of foul stuff. And wow. that was it. Um, and his person, I didn't even get to tell you this yet, sent me a letter today that I opened up uh, this morning. Um, now, nothing what? was yeah, nothing was negative in the letter. It just said, um, hey, thanks for your help when, you know, sending messages, emails back and forth to you guys and know. Uh, uh, your friend Dane and I have decided to part, part ways as a friendship. So it was a nice letter. You know, it wasn't anything negative. It's just saying, thanking me, you know, for my, you know, helping her and you guys through some things. Um, but you guys officially have parted ways of the relationship. And it was just, that was really very short note. Well, I had asked, I, last note I, I sent after I got these stupid letters was, um, you're not moving in. Don't contact me or anyone else I know meeting you. And so see, I, I requested that and still uh, pushing the envelope. And for, to me, that's a, an act of manipulation to try to get you to contact him. Mm-hmm. So that's how I read it, because this is a master manipulator. This is a real criminal. Now, I'm here for murder as well, um, two murders and an attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was on an antidepressant, Paxil, during postpartum depression and other meds and such not that that justifies anything i'm just saying i don't have a a criminal history and um many of us in here are one-time offenders we committed heinous crimes and then we spent the rest of our time making amends and rehabilitating he has done nothing um i went through this um period of feeling shame after I moved him out because my mind was, um, I just, for better words, just went through a head fuck because I, I got mentally and emotionally abused so bad. Yeah. That I really went through some, some, well, you know, I talked to you about it, how I felt really ashamed. And I felt ashamed for my community that I didn't rep my, represent my community better, but I had to find out for myself, and I had to take that road because I didn't want to screw 
discriminate or hate on anyone because I know what that sure. feels like mm-hmm. um, without um, giving them a chance. Yeah, that's so I give them a chance, a yeah. bigger chance than anybody has ever given any of them. And um, I got stabbed in the back and betrayed. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing with equal rights. Um, and again, we're just focused on some of the negative, I'm sure, you know, positive things too. But as far as the negatives, um, it's not equal rights that are in there. And there's a report talking about the Moss report. Um, not just, again, even some smallest things where if you modify a piece of your clothing, you're written up. If they modify a piece of their clothing, you know, it's perfectly fine. But in re- reviewing their report, um, it literally says, where is it? Throughout the report, anytime women's genuine safety fears are mentioned, safety and fears are mentioned, the Moss Group undermines those concerns by claiming they're based on myths, anxiety, fear, and other times misconceptions and misunderstandings about the transgender. So they're, when yourself or somebody reports incidents like this, it's not been taken seriously. Um, and do you no. Have con- and because I had a excuse me, because I had a friendship with this person, mm-hmm. my uh, complaints when I took these letters to a counselor were discounted, not yeah. by the counselor, but by the person they reported it to. They did nothing to help us offers no education to the uh, cisgender population to uh, help us. CDCR really hasn't offered anything either. And so when we get in these um, events and situations various of various levels, there's nothing that they don't take the cisgenders and take, give them any kind of counseling, um, mm-hmm. any kind of education. There's nothing. I mean, that was the report to defenders. Yeah. I mean, that's the sad part. That's what it was for. They reached out to them and say, hey, how can we implement this? So there's no concerns about the women who are here, smooth transitions and all that. Um, How can you do that if they never interviewed you or anybody there? Um, Reading the report itself and reviews of the report myself, it's just so biased. Um, I mean, literally, um, it says – Despite attempting to gaslight incarcerated women into thinking they just have a bias or anxiety related to being housed with violent men, the Moss Report, the only time it acknowledges, you know, one thing it said is, for example, the reported increased in possession and manufacturing of weapons, gang activity, PREA allegations, drug and alcohol use, and more sophisticated behavior like drones dropping jugs, uh, drugs, you know, onto the yard. Um, so it did mention a little bit of negative things, but for the most part, it was so positive. So when your facility, uh, specifically CCWF, um, when they got the report from somebody they paid, the Moss Group, saying, it's all good. You know, for the most part, it's all good. And you wouldn't think that there was anything wrong except for a few things. And a few of the assaults were side notes. They weren't highlighted on the report. They're like, oh, check, you know, letter E. You know, you have to go off to somewhere off to the side to rehear about some of the actual assaults and pregnancies. It was not highlighted. Um and there's very few groups. Um, I mean, the Women's Libertation Front, WOLF, W-O-L-F, you had mentioned to me before. They're like one of the only main, major organizations challenging the SB 132 uh, in court, the Chandler versus CDCR. Um, and there's not just Chandler, not just her, but there's, you know, four or five other people um, in the lawsuit you know, of women who have you know, had horrible experiences in that, um, in that case. But yeah, but on the report... The CDCR is like, why should we make any improvements? Because the report said everything's fine. 
Right. Well, let's put it this way. What The only thing I can justify is the LGBTQ um, community is big. They have a lot of money. And the trans community has a lot of money. It's, it's a, as a pun, a very sexy subject. Even um, the president has made provisions. Now, I want the public to know that I am not anti-trans. If you are transgender, I don't, I don't care what you identify sure. as. Uh-huh. That is your personal choice. And if you came to this prison, if this person had come to me and said, hey, I re- I'm a woman, help me, I would have done everything to help them because sure. it would have been sincere and genuine. But what we're finding is they are users. They're coming here to do easy time, to have access to women, mm-hmm. and um, for whatever agenda that they have. Exactly. And as far as the sophisticated weapons, we used to have canned chicken on, the, on our canteen for years, canned stuff. Now they had to take it away because they found sophisticated weapons wow. made from cameras. Oh, jeez. And so now we have pouch chicken. Mm. And it's just, we never had these problems before, so what's mm. next? You know, are exactly. they going to take away um, our, our shavers? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, what next? So um, it's just one thing after another. Yeah. And I can vouch, I mean, because I was, I I was just, a part um, what Dana had mentioned just now, how she's not against the organization, neither am I. Um, and I can vouch for her because the, woman, the person we're calling Sue, she went beyond out of her way. And that was part of some of the communication of her showing kindness and love and going way out of her way, showing kindness, love, and compassion to this person to make her feel comfortable in numerous ways. And unfortunately, we just we see the result of it not ending well. Um, so it's, this is not no. – we're, we're not bashing the group. We're just talking about the dangers that are happening um, you know, from this um, – the SB 132 bill that was passed. And, and for people who are listening – to educate you on what to look out for also if you have a family or a loved one in a facility that is, or a, a female facility that's housing transgenders, to be aware uh, of this. It's not equal rights, and that's what um, the, the case in court, Chandler versus CDCR now. They're challenging the First Amendment right to free speech, free exercise of religion, petition of government against state establishment of religion, the Eighth Amendment right, be free from cruel and unusual punishment, and the Fourteenth Amendment right, um, it's not equal protection under the law. Um, and so that's that's the case that's in court now. And I'm curious to see how that's going to turn out. It's it's Chandler, Janine Chandler, uh, Crystal Gonzalez, Tamika Johnson, Nadia Romero, and Women to Women. It's a, a nonprofit organization. They're the ones um, challenging it uh, through the Wolf organization. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, if you read the stories of these people, sexually assaulted, domestic violence in there against their religion, um, assaulted her. Um, I'm going to go into details of them, but all the women there, something horrific happened from a transgender in their facilities, um, and they're trying to bring awareness to it. You know, so you can you know go to W O L W O L F, look that up and see if you want to support them in any way, or look at the, we're all about the Women's Liberation Front. Uh, right now, it's the only one with power challenging the SB 132, and not saying I don't think anybody's saying we don't want them at all in the facility. But we got to do something a little better <laughs> as far as screening uh, without – I think they're so afraid of in challenging their rights as a human being. They're afraid to 
say anything wrong. You know, in doing that, so much leniency. Well, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what the solution is, but something has to be done. Right now, from what I've learned, uh, that most of these individuals that have been transferred here are problems for the men's facilities and their protective custody, their keepaways, their. Uh, if they stayed in the men's, they would be killed, or you know, they had different uh, things okay. Okay. Um, marked. Um, so, so um, nothing to do with their sexuality. Talk about something to do with a criminal case, not sexuality per se. Well, well, that's what I'm finding out, and okay. that's what I'm seeing. If I, if that's what I'm seeing, criminal activity, um, then that's what I'm seeing. Um, and I want to re-stress that um, I'm really not against trans. Um, as a matter of fact, in 2007 or 8, there was a transgender female who had had sexual reassignment surgery that I lived with, one of the very few that has come, 2008, before this SB 132 was a thing. And I found this person really great. Um, he she really received a lot of uh, negativity, of course, and people were afraid. They didn't know what to think of her. Um, she was older, and she, in the room, I felt safe, and she was fine. It was mm -hmm. never a problem. Sure. So it's not like I haven't lived with transgenders before, mm -hmm. and that was part of the reason I gave this person a chance was because of my previous experience. And... Um, there are there is one here that has had SRS and is extremely violent and has been in and out of um, the jail here, let's say, for sexual assault and has had SRS. Wow. And yes, yeah, so there's even so, it's they need to screen these people now. If you have SRS, you have to be here, but mm -hmm. um, for, I guess logistically. And so we just having that one person, it was, you know, we dealt with it. Now, you mentioned but SRS. Now, you mean, the, was it sexual reassignment sexual surgery? Sexual reassignment. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So anyway, um, I'm really angry that uh, Sue has contacted you because it's a form of manipulation. Mm -hmm. And I, even though I asked, um, she's reaching out to people that I know here, and they have let me know. And, of course, it's their decision, but I've told them, look, I've cut this person off. This is really unhealthy for me, and I'm warning you, it's going to be unhealthy for you. Yeah. So step back and reevaluate that before you pursue this uh, friendship yeah. with this person. And um, so that's as far as uh, the last five months have gone. Um, I moved out on mm -hmm. January 31st. Yeah, that we we really did it up for this person. We they don't have Christmas trees. They don't get to decorate like we do for Christmas. Sure. Um, I really involved this person in everything. Well, we decorated our room and really tried to make the holidays special, uh, special foods. You know, the whole nine. I wasn't enough. Now, I if, was defective. Now, if the most group came to interview you personally, well, let's say he came today, not so much in the past, but let's say today. Um, now, obviously, you, you, what you just said about two, of course. Um, but what would you recommend? I would tell what them would the exact same them? thing. Mm -hmm. Anything? Oh, what would I tell them as a recommendation? Yeah, of how 
what can be improved and what's happening right this second? What would you change? What would you tell them? Not just the negative things, but the fix. Like what would be your recommendations to say, hey, we need to implement this or this or multiple things? There's one way I feel, and it's mandatory. There's nothing we can do now here to fix this. These individuals are faulty to what they need to do, and I don't care if they scream discrimination. They need to. There's another prison across the street that's sensitive needs. They can make a unit or a whole yard for them over there as a midway point. See, they just threw them in a women's prison. What they should have done is, if they're transitioning, put them on a transitioning yard oh, and let yeah. them. Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. More education. Um, look at these people to see how they are. Um, evaluate them. Give them the same program and opportunities we have here. But over there. Sure. There's 300 plus trans claiming men that want to come three over 300. Wow. And if you look at the population of this prison, that's scary. That's really scary. Mm -hmm. They will run us over like they run us over now. I've met one that's okay, older, and that one transferred down South to have the SRS surgery and has a parole date, and uh, got along well with their job site. I didn't personally know them. It seemed okay. I mean, I ran across them in passing, her a bad thing. But um, those ones are far and few between. And I know it sounds like I'm objectifying them by saying them, and it's probably not politically correct. Yeah, I'm confused in all the terms. But that's how (laughs) how I see it. That is my term, and that's how I see it from my experience. If they like could... I said, today is the 29th year anniversary of my arrest. So mm-hmm. I've been out of circulation for a while. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, guarantee you this, if I was in uh, public, in the free world, I wouldn't be referring to them as them because trans, transgender men and women are going through a process out there. and They're doing it well. They're not killing people in prison. They're not committing more crimes. They're not manipulating uh, another person's friend. Uh, they're not writing another pen pal that was done to me and telling them, oh, what a horrible person I am and how I did this and that to them. I didn't su- uh, support them, or <laughs> which is ridiculous. So these are the things I'm going through in real time yeah. as you get this apology letter. So it's all manipulation, and I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And one question I wanted to ask you is: when a transgender gets written up, or they were, they assaulted somebody, they raped somebody, whatever it may be, are they just reprimanded, written up, thrown in a hole, or are they do they have to leave the facility, or do they stay in the facility and just get reprimanded like anybody else would, um, or they do they have to leave and go back um, to a man's facility? Well, other than um, going to the ADSEG unit, which is like a jail, I don't really know what happened to them. Now, some of the transgenders that got here went back. Okay. They didn't like our program at all. We oh, immediately okay. went back. And so they never made it out into general population. Gotcha. Um, so I applaud them. Good for you. Good for you for standing up and, 
realizing this wasn't for you and going back, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So I can't say, but this transitional yard, that's mandatory and they need to restructure. Mm. Um, I don't care if you're doing a good program here. You need to go to a transition yard and then they need to educate. And even if you come here, um, if you are a biological male, and you mess up, and you need to go back. Yeah, well, it would make sense. You need to go back and restart your restart your process again. But the law is the law. Yeah, that's the problem. And Senator yeah. Weiner um, didn't do us any favors. And so, all I can say is that this has to be a big money adventure for yeah. politics politicians and for the for the state there's a lot of pressure uh, a lot I of did to, oh yeah so let me give you some instances of that um women to women had to they're no longer a defendant on the wolf lawsuit because the, the lady told me that the state really pressured them and they felt like they would um crush them oh, I, didn't, I did not know that so yeah yeah well i talked to the lady she's on my email now and I just thought, wow. And so I asked her to elaborate on that, but I haven't heard anything yet. And I don't know. Maybe she's scared to say it. Who knows? But she still advocates for us. Nice. And then um, they, we don't get any transgender uh, or SB 132 education and, and information because they're more concerned about being sensitive to the transgenders than they are us. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. that's wrong. That's what's going on with the, yeah. that. And um, let me just say this. I was in a class, and I wanted to do a report on this. And the teacher was afraid to bring in materials that were contradictory to SB 132 oh, yeah. because of mm-hmm. uh, the pressure either from the state or from that community has crushed careers. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So talk mm-hmm. about free speech and my amendment rights. I can't even get the information. Oh, yeah. So yeah. anybody out there that's listening or you yourself um, that can send me anything they find, please do. And um, now how can it won't you? I'll leave my, how can, my, uh, prison, uh, my prison address at the end of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I do um, welcome any kind of contact on this. And. Pro or con, whatever. Sure, definitely. Definitely a good idea. And another thing I wanted to ask you about while we have you know, the last 15 minutes or so, uh, a little bit about life without parole uh, or LWAP. Oh, um, um, that's, that's a hope. Yeah, and Has I mean, it? there's a, a couple of quotes I really liked. Um, one, I think it should not be the alternative to death row. I mean, it, it, it is death. Um, I like yeah, there needs to be an alternative for LWAP before you quote. Exactly. Let me just tell you this. Well, we, got, we got time. The, we, the we got... death row women, mm-hmm. the death row women, many of them now live on GP. They, they're in my unit. So they're not even on death row. So what about LWAP? Exactly. our reprieve. At least, at least commute us to a parole eligible sentence. Like if I was commuted now, I would be able to go to parole. That doesn't mean I'm going to get paroled and walk out, 
That means I can show who I am and what I've done now. Exactly. After 29 years, it would be nice to have a voice and at least show them I'm not the person I was in 1994. Mm-hmm. So it would be nice if they would give us some kind of uh, opportunity as well. Because yeah. I mean, like and this quote where it's not, LWAP is, it's death. It's just death by incarceration. Where I like this quote. It says, death by incarceration is a statement of condemnation against even the possibility that one can transcend their worst moment and be worthy of life outside a cage. It's a complete negation of one's inherent right to redemption. And the other quote says, the idea of redemption should be something that the state facilitates as opposed to hindering. They hinder the idea of atonement by imprisoning people, but also confining people to the worst expression of themselves the rest of their lives, even though that's not who they are. Uh, So it's both a death sentence, you know, but they are. They're overturned death row. But without what, they're not even, I mean, commuting some, but especially those who even haven't committed the murder itself. There's, there's still life without Pearl. There's a lot needs to be done. And it's not good. Those people, those people, um, that weren't, um, that it's called felony murder rule now are having opportunities. And many of those women are paroling and men are paroling now. So they got their sentences commuted, but Mm -hmm. that still doesn't help us. Um, Mm-hmm. It still doesn't help those of us, and they. Um, it is a living death sentence, and I like uh, you said. We are. Why even have the R and CDCR for rehabilitation if we are part of that? <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, mass incarceration is not working. Mm-hmm. There are other alternatives, and. That could be a whole other podcast. Um, oh, for sure. But anyway. I mean, I've seen it myself over I, all, all these years of helping people in rehabilitation and aftercare. There's people who have, many people have done horrible, violent things who the world might only look at the crime itself. Oh, they don't deserve to be free again for what they did. But when someone has changed their life around after 10, 20, 25, 30 years in a facility, they're not the same person, you know, for whatever circumstances. Well, the recidivism for a lifers is less than 5%. Mm. And I would probably say um, of the lifers, at least 60 to 70% go out there and uh, help the community in some kind of way, help the criminal community, help advocate, help rehabilitate. Mm-hmm. Um, they yeah. take what they've learned in here and bring it out to the public and educate, yeah. which is great because that's what less people would commit less crimes if they had the rehabilitation that we get in here. Well, that's exactly what I was going to awesome. say. There's some facilities, especially in Arizona and, and some other places, where it's dreadful. There's no rehabilitation. It's just punish, punish, punish. But you have a great facility as far as rehabilitation. Other areas, in, other ones in California do, Oregon does. Um, North Dakota has an amazing one where the, the recidivism rate of the whole prison is less than 20%. Now, of everybody, men and women, you know, and other ones are like 70% who just don't care. But when you got to take that in, in consideration, when you have great rehabilitation programs, that you got to consider that for sure. Well, only of all the incarcerated individuals, women only make up like 7%. Mm. So you're marginalizing us by not giving us the chance. We only account for 7%. Give us a chance. 
For sure. There's, there's no doubt about it. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's, anyway... Um, now, why don't you tell everybody really uh, how we can... Oh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, give everybody your, your address or how, how they can contact you. Okay, it's Dana Gray. Hold on. <laughs> Dang. It's uh, Dana Gray, G-R-A-Y, W-76-776, C-C-W-F, uh, 512-17-4 low. P.O. Box 1508, Chowchilla, California, 93610. Yeah, and if everybody, anybody has a concern or, um, I don't know, maybe they're... Oh, you can email. You can email and you can, uh, I'll let you tell them how to do the GTL thing because I don't know. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you when this is done, I'll, I'll add something at the end. Or obviously you can just contact me directly if you need to get a message to her. Maybe you're uncomfortable writing at prison facility. Just message me. You know, I'll get the right. message there quickly. Right. Uh, um, we can take care of that. But, no, I think I appreciate, you know, giving everybody the time. Uh, open up your heart and your honesty about what's going on. It's a very touchy subject for transgenders out in the world and, and especially in prison facilities. Again, you say the one, one wrong thing, you know, they get canceled, as they say. You know, everybody comes against you. Right. Um, we have quite a few trans men here as well. Mm-hmm. And... They don't. They aren't the problem. And if, because they've been here and they're trans, transitioning here, mm-hmm. it is a different story. But the world is changing, and we're changing with it and trying to embrace that change sure. and be less discriminatory because there's discrimination in in all all kinds of things and levels, especially within prison. But um, education and just addressing people's issues would help. Mental health is horrible. I mean, I could Mm -hmm. go on and on. Yeah, we just want to do it again. It's it's not a a transgender bashing. You can't throw people in a box. Exactly. You can't throw people in a box. We need to do it in a healthy way. Right. Yeah, throw them in a box and see who comes out on top. That's yeah. just not the way it works. No, exactly. And I'm appa- I'm appalled that in California at all places, they treat women like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're kind of blind to the fact that they think they're doing the right thing with pro-transgender, you know, which is that- fine. But you can't just blindly start something. And, you know, even with the Moss report. You know, it's 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 false. You know, it's not a great report. It's a horrible, biased report. It didn't do anybody any good. As a note aside, there was an officer recently that got arrested and fired for 20 rapes wow. this year. There's been officers in the past for overfamiliarity, uh, sexual assault, mm-hmm. uh, this or that. Yeah, and that's not a. Um, that's not a being at custody. I'm just saying in a women's prison, there's other factors that marginalize and make us unsafe. Sure. So you've just added another layer of unsafe on top of that. Yeah, that's true. Very true. We're struggling to, 
be better people. And and the reality of it is, is uh, corrections is a business. So there are those that don't care about us. We're a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Very sad, so, but true. Sad, but very true. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. It's big business in California. So come on, Governor Newsom, take a look at that 7%. Right? Definitely. 100%? 100%? Do a little bit better by us. Definitely. Sounds good. Now, well, I know it's not politically uh, popular, but he's been a maverick in so many other areas. Be a maverick for, for us. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, show the rest of the country, hey, what, hey, look what I did for the women uh, incarcerated in my state. Mm-hmm. You know, I lifted them up. That's what we're asking. Lift yeah. us up. Well, there you go. Uh, my conversation with Dana Gregg, and a big thanks to her. She gave you her mailing address if you want to reach out to her or send me a, a message. Uh, there's also apps that you can download, the GTL, uh, I think it's called the Getting Out app, the GTL app, uh, where you can just email her uh, through that app. Uh, again, send me a private message, and if you want to reach out to her uh, or interview her or whatever it may be uh, on this specific topic, uh, send me a message, and we can get you in, in touch with her. It's obviously a, an important topic for her. Uh, women's rights in general, of course, in her facility. Uh, and we're going to be touching on this again, uh, not just life without parole, uh, but that bill we're talking about um, and many hardships that they're facing in there. Uh, I mean, it is a good thing is they are very good at rehabilitation in her facility, which is awesome. Uh, she talked a little bit about that. I'm very happy. Uh, so, hey, thanks again, everybody, uh, for checking out the podcast. Uh, and until next time, see ya. See ya.